Hello, everybody! Welcome back to East Coast Haunts. I'm Sam. And I'm MK. And we switched up the order in which we say our names for this episode. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. Um, but it's kind of like a little bit of a it's a little bit of a special episode today. Um, oh yeah. Because we're kicking off a, a, a special season in our lives. Yeah, we sure are. We have a pretty big um pretty big milestone coming up. Sam, do you want to tell the people? Yes, I would love to tell the people. We are going to hit our one-year anniversary of East Coast Haunts pretty darn soon, which is, like, insane to think about. Do I know, you feel I can't like believe it's been longer than a year? Do you feel like I it's do. been longer I than a year? Yeah, I think that it's it's flown by because I've I've had so much fun doing it, but it does feel like it's been a part of my life for longer than a year, right? Um, I yes, I completely agree with you. It has flown by because I feel like not like the time that we lived together, looking back, like it feels like it was like a month long, right? But also oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I feel like since we've been interested in spooky stuff for a while and we, we talk so much about spooky stuff and we watch all this spooky stuff, like it does seem like we've been doing it for a long time. So I can't believe it's been almost exactly a year, but here we are. I know. So our our official one year anniversary since the release of our first episode is August 14th. So we decided that in order to celebrate this and also as kind of like, uh, hey, reminder that we're coming up on spooky season here. We've decided to do a multi-part episode series on one of the most famous haunted cases of all time. And that is the Amityville Horror. So uh, today, Sam is going to talk about a little bit what happened before the notorious haunting case. So there was a whole true crime case associated with this that a lot of people point to as the reason that this house became so haunted, right? Should I take it away? Yeah. I absolutely go ahead. All right. So, right. Just like Mary Kay just said, the Amityville horror case, I think that everyone has pretty much heard of it. Um, I was just saying to Mary Kay before we started recording, I didn't really know. I, I mean, I knew that it was associated with something bad, with something spooky. I didn't know that there was a true crime case behind it. So that was very interesting to learn about. Um, and I know that it's a book, it's a movie, but um, there's a there's a lot of true stuff behind it. I mean, whether you believe in the supernatural or not, uh, like there are cold hard facts and real people that were involved in this, which is super interesting. Yeah. I do want to say that a lot of, at least my information for this case, like the haunting part of it. So I'll be covering the haunting of the Lutz family in the next couple of parts came from the book The Amityville Horror by Jay Anson. And it's a really cool book because it's all the firsthand account from George and Kathleen Lutz, who are the couple that experienced the haunting once they moved into this house. And it's basically a whole recounting of the entire time that they lived there over a series of recorded tapes that they then sent exclusively to this author. So this is like the point source for all the stories and the hauntings and the firsthand accounts and 
everyone who was involved in this horror, right? So definitely, if you're interested, if you want a little bit more detail, go check out The Amityville Horror by Jay Anson. Because it's, this this case gets crazy. And so the book that you're talking about is the original book that, I guess, kick-started everything, right? That brought the Amityville Horror to the mainstream? Yes, absolutely. And it's it's just a whirlwind. I'm almost finished with it. Um, so... But it it just covers it from when they move in to when they move out. And so it's really not a long period of time at all, but it's so jam-packed with, like, crazy paranormal stories. Our favorite paranormal couple is involved in this case, too. Uh, And Lorraine Warren make a little bit of of an appearance here. Um, Exactly. So it's just, this case is, I think, the perfect case to kind of wrap up our first year of recording and um just because it wraps up everything we love all into one case that's a perfect way to put it so today though before we talk about all the hauntings and the the spooky side of it we have to talk about the historical side where it all started so amityville is a town in new york Um, It's a village known for its picturesque waterfront location. Uh, It's located along the Great South Bay. So there are plenty of marinas, beaches, um, water areas that attract uh, residents and visitors. So it's definitely a popular place for tourists, but it's also um, a very popular place to live. And I imagine it's probably a fairly expensive place to live since it's by the water and it's in New York. So, yes, um, there are, yeah, I was going to say, and I'm sure they have a lot of um, tourists that come for the spooky side, but we'll get to that later. So Amityville has um, historic homes. It's got suburb developments. Um, Like I said, it has some waterfront properties. So it's like a really nice area. It's got a small town feel, close knit community feel. um, And it's especially popular for water sports and boating. So it kind of sounds very picturesque and like ideal, which makes it, I think, what happened there even more interesting and makes it really like even even more horrific because it's like the type of place where people are saying this type of stuff doesn't happen. So it's funny that you say that because this case, which I don't want to give too much away, but we did cover a very similar true crime case in Westfield, the John List murders, and it so far Amityville and Westfield are giving like the same kind of vibe, like an affluent neighborhood. This is where people's dream homes are. Like if you move to Amityville or Westfield, you know, you've made it. It's a great place to raise the kids. Like great. I'm sure great views of the water, great vacation spot. So you're right. It does make everything that went down here that much freakier. Yes, exactly. And I'm glad he brought that up because I do feel like there are so many parallels between the John List case and the DeFeo murders. So it's it's interesting. Yeah. So just keep that in the back of your mind. If you guys haven't watched, listened to that video, video, listen to that um, episode yet, then definitely go listen. Um, but let's get into it. Yes. Actually, wait, before we get into it, that I did have yeah. one announcement that I totally forgot to 
make in the beginning of the episode. But very exciting news. We now have a YouTube channel with all of our episodes there. We're in the process of uploading all of them, but we are now on YouTube. So make sure to like and subscribe. And um, we've got subscribe button. Exactly. We're we're going to look into maybe doing a little giveaway with our first couple of subscribers. And we announced this on our Patreon a couple of days ago, right when the channel first launched. So by the time this episode comes out, hopefully all of our latest episodes will be up. But we're working on that right now. So definitely go on there because we'll have some spooky content on there in addition to our episodes. We'll probably be getting that gold play button any day now yep definitely you know what i'm talking about the one that you get at like a million subscribers or whatever anyway all right so <laughs> back to amityville <laughs> so you know what like i said everything about amityville seems really great like you said mayor like if you make if you live there you've made it right but nowadays when we hear the word amityville i think we all think of the amityville horror even if you don't know exactly what it is or the details, you've definitely heard that phrase before. So, uh, the Amityville Horror, the whole story begins with the DeFeo family, who were very sadly and brutally murdered back in 1974. Um, and there were seven members of the family, six of members of the family were killed, and the murders happened on November 13th, 1974, and it happened inside the DeFeo family home at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. So here, let's get into it. The DeFeo family consisted of the patriarch, which is Ronald DeFeo Sr., who was apparently called Big Ron. Um the matriarch, who was Louise DeFeo, um, and then their five children, Ronald Jr., also known as Butch, Dawn, Allison, Mark, and John Matthew. So there were three boys, two girls, and then, of course, the two parents. So when the victims died, um, they were Everyone was young. I mean, the oldest was, of course, the father, Ronald DeFeo Sr. He was 44. Louise, oh the mother, was 42. Uh, Dawn, the eldest daughter, was 18. Allison, the middle daughter, was 13. Mark, the eldest son. Well, not the eldest son, but the eldest son to die in this tragedy. He was 12 years old. Oh, and then. God. John Matthew was nine. So this was oh. a, this was a young family. And, um, it, it's not, like they, they, this was a young family, like, you know, in their prime, the parents were like early forties. The kids were all still kids. So it's really sad. It just breaks your heart when you hear stuff like this. Oh, it makes you sick to your stomach. Doesn't it? It does. It's, it's very similar to the, to the John List case where it's like, all the kids were like still very young. The wife was young. Yeah. It's just like very, it's depressing. It's, it's, it's a bummer, you know, like there's nothing yeah. fun. Like I know people say like, Oh, like the spooky things are fun, but this like the true crime stuff is like very, very depressing and dark. 
No, it's this kind of energy though, like this depressing, like chilling energy is definitely what set up, I th- personally, I think, any hauntings that later happened in this house. Because we always said like hauntings are more likely to happen at the sites of a tragedy. And this is nothing short of like the most tragic thing that could happen to a family. Exactly. And honestly, like you just said, I mean, like, I can only imagine like the weird, depressing, dark energy that was left over in this house after what happened, because it's really, really, really bad. So I went over the victims with you a second ago. Notice how, I mean, I know there are a lot of people in this family, a lot of names, but I did not mention Ronald Jr., aka Butch, as one of the victims of the murders. So obviously he lives, right? Um, so just keep that in mind as we continue. You might know where this is going. So all six victims were found. Yeah. All six victims were found by the police in their beds and they were lying on their stomachs. Um, it's estimated that the whole, uh, slaughtering for lack of a better word took about 15 minutes from start to finish. So it was a pretty quick. Oh my God. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, um, it was quick. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how you define quick, but, um, it's, he killed, I mean, whoever did this killed six people in 15 minutes. So, um, the person that, the person that reported the murders was actually Ronald Jr. or Butch DeFeo. Um, he told the police he arrived home from work on the evening of November 13th. And he discovered that someone had broken into the house and had killed his entire family, which is really sad. Can you imagine that? No. Um, Yeah, neither could the police. Um, But yeah, but this was his story. He said, I came home from work um, to like, and and my whole family was, was dead was, they were all dead laying there. So um, they asked him, um, okay, like, well, who do you think maybe could have done this murder? Who, Who do you think, could be pay- could be capable of doing something like this um and he said that he thought it could have been carried out by a man named Louis or Louise Fellini uh who was a mafia hitman well, so can you know, I just can I ask yes, the question why why would he why would is there a reason that he thought that this Louis guy was capable of doing these murders or was the family involved with the mafia in any way? Like, why was this guy the first person to come to mind? Um, I did not see anywhere that the DeFeos were even remotely involved in any mafia activity. Uh, they seem like a very normal family. Um, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing nefarious going on within the family that would lead to anyone to believe that they were involved in something shady or any mafia business. Um, it's also interesting yeah. that he had that name right in his head, ready to, ready to give when the police asked, you know? I mean, maybe I'm lucky because I can't think of like anyone who I believe is capable of doing this, but I, I don't think I would tend to run in the same circle as someone who I did think was capable of this. You know what I'm saying? Like, why is that a name that pops up? (laughs) I completely agree. I think that 
it's yeah it's it, it's it would be abnormal to know someone and associate with someone that you think is capable of murdering your whole family you know exactly yeah that's exactly what i was trying to say okay good so the investigation actually revealed that the murders had occurred earlier in the day more towards the morning um which would be before defeo had left for work so of course defeo was saying um that oh look I had been I was at work all day I got back in the evening so of course it couldn't have been me like that's his alibi right but okay now the police are saying well actually they died earlier in the morning before you were at work so can you explain that and he said oh actually yes I can explain that and he says actually Fellini who is the mafia man um um showed up um and and he had an accomplice with him and they put a gun to my head on the morning of November 13th. And they forced me to watch them kill my family. And what? so I think he's... Yeah. What, what are your thoughts? I, no. I, hold on. Let me let me compose my thoughts yeah, because... Gather yourself. Gather yourself. I'm stunned. First, how do you go from, oh yeah, it might have been this guy that killed my family to saying I watched him and another man brutally murder my entire family how do you switch up your story that fast and uh, it also begs the question like if he was if he was scared of Fellini why would he have mentioned him like you would think that he would not have mentioned Fellini at all if he was scared of Fellini retaliating I don't know I don't know It, it it doesn't really make any sense right no, I would say that this story seems to be not very well thought out. It, it's not. And so the police kept pressing and, like, you know, asking for details uh, of this new story that he came up with. And finally, DeFeo, um, he, he, he said, listen, and th- this, is, this is the quote. He basically cracked under the pressure. And he said, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast, which was his confession. So he went from saying he came home from work and he had no idea what happened to then saying, oh, well, I was there, but they, but the, the mafia man was holding a gun to my head and he made me watch the whole thing, which like, wouldn't you try to save your family at least? Are you kidding me? That, uh, yeah, uh, someone could be holding a gun to my head and say, watch me kill your whole family. And I think I would fight, like at that point, why do I care if? this is like gonna come across as gruesome but if i'm watching them kill my whole family like, i'd rather be dead too you know or at least i would rather agree. Them. and i believe i'm confirming this right now i'm pretty sure he was 23 yeah he was 23 when this happened so it's Ooh, not like three. he was a kid i mean you're a 23 year old man like you're not gonna try and save your nine-year-old brother seriously no but- see I, I'm 23 right now, and I can say wholeheartedly that I would try with all my might to save any member of my family. Exactly. So it's like that or not. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's what any like sane person would think. But of course, we can spiral. But at the end of the day, like that that story that he made up wasn't even real. So yeah, obviously he wouldn't have tried to save his family because he's the one that killed them, and he just confessed to that. Saying once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. So that's that's this is not like right a, there. It's not like a handful of potato chips. What do you mean you couldn't stop? Yeah, yeah, right. He's saying it so casually, like, oh, 
Yeah, like a handful of potato chips. Exactly. It's oh, weird. Get these away from me. <laughs> Bro, you can't, can't trust me around a bag of Uts. Like, okay. Um, so, yeah, so he had confessed, and that was that. Um, like I said before, all the bodies were found um, on their beds, uh, lying in, on their stomachs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they were all found in, like, the exact same position, which is really creepy and weird. Um, and it suggests that maybe they had all been arranged that way. In fact, I think they had definitely been arranged that way. Um, but also the police were able to determine. So they were arranged that way. And I know that because there is like a very specific haunting that has to do with like the DeFeo members being put on their stomachs. I believe they had their hands above their heads as well. And that's the position that he left all six of them in. Because I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything for the next episode, but they had reason to believe that that was the position before. And that hadn't been released to the press, I believe, before the Lutzes moved in. And somehow all of them knew that that was the position that the bodies were left in. Interesting. Okay. It's hard to it's hard to go into too much detail without giving away like a huge part of the case, but it's that's definitely an important point to remember for part two. Okay, I'll lock that away in my brain. The identical positioning is definitely creepy and weird. Another weird fact is that um, the rifle had not been fitted with a silencer, so the gunshots should have woken up all the other members of the family. Like when Butch went to go kill the first member of the family, you would think the others would have woken up. Um, And then when Mm -hmm. he killed the second member, you'd think that the remaining ones definitely would have woken up. So it's a little bit weird. Um, And there were also no signs of struggle, which is also very weird. Um, And there were no, there was no evidence that um, any sedatives had been used. So there's no sign of struggle and there were no sedatives. So we don't really know what, how he was able to keep them quiet or um, how he was able to get them to not fight back. So I do just want to note really quickly that I I did a little research into the, into the whole drugging thing because also in the book, it's a huge point of contention that not only did the family members not hear it, but also the neighbors didn't hear it as well, which, and it was a high powered rifle. So, they should have been able to hear it. DeFeo during the trial claimed that he drugged his family during dinner, but a lot of like the forensic experts and like um, toxicologists said that enough time had passed between the time they ate dinner and the time that they died that at best they would have been like sluggish. They wouldn't have been fully under whatever drugs influence anymore. So it is really weird that none of them woke up. I do have to say that they they say also in the house, like, sound was really weird, which is another telltale sign of a haunting. So, or it could just be an acoustic thing. I don't know. So was the sound weird um, when the DeFeos were living there or after they had been killed? I'm not sure. I just know that that during the time when the Lutzes 
were living there. Sometimes they heard things that they should have heard or they shouldn't have been hearing and they heard and they didn't hear like the phone ringing when it was in the room next door. And at this point okay. it's like a landline. It was like a very loud landline. So it, it's just like there was a lot of weird interference in this house. So yeah, it sounds like there was a lot of weird interference that maybe it might, maybe it didn't even start with the DeFeos. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Who knows? Um, and then another weird thing, actually, since you're mentioning that how the neighbors didn't hear any gunshots, um, all they heard apparently was the family dog barking. So they did hear, they did hear something, but they didn't hear what you would think they would have heard, if that makes sense. Huh. Yeah, that, no, that is really weird. Yeah. How do you hear a dog barking, so, but not a high powered rifle? I don't know. I have no idea. So, um, some people actually, there's newer evidence. And when I say newer, it's from like around 2012. Um, but Ooh. there was a documentary filmmaker named Ryan Kotzenbach. And he, um, I believe he made a couple of documentaries about the Amityville horror, but he said that uh, he believed that there was a second gun involved in the crime, like a second gunman. So there could have been someone else um, helping Butch, oh. which kind of makes a lot of sense um, yeah. as to how they were able to keep everyone quiet or how they were able to keep everyone from, um, I guess, escaping and maybe how they were able to keep everyone quiet. What do you think of that? I think that that's a very plausible explanation, especially because even without the emotional factor of these being your family members, six people in 15 minutes seems crazy fast, especially if there's the chance that one of them had woken up, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, yeah, like there were little kids, um, like some of the people were younger, but like the, you know, the dad, the mom, like even like the older sister, like they could have all put up a fight. So it's, it just, mm-hmm. it's an interesting theory that there was someone else there helping him it makes sense i think yeah so the public reaction to the murder obviously everyone was shocked just like um i was gonna say just like in westfield but i think that with john list people thought he was kind of weird um yeah like people of course people were surprised but i think that but then all those stories came out about how he was like kind of an asshole right to like his neighbors and didn't he like throw rocks at kids that were like passing by too am i remembering wasn't there a donkey or something yes yeah yeah. he used to like throw rocks at the donkey and also throw rocks at the kids that were passing by like yeah oh yeah that's so weird he was so freaking weird like he was was so weird like obviously yeah yeah, for for many other reasons besides (laughs) throwing rocks at donkeys and children but we won't get into that so, um, yeah, people were shocked. Obviously, it got a ton of media attention um, because this was, like, the brutal killing of six people in, in a family. And as if that wasn't even bad enough, of course, the person that killed them was the brother slash son. So it just, like, oh. adds to the whole the whole uh, shock value of it all. Um, oh, yeah. And also it was the, the killings were like seemingly senseless. Um, mm-hmm. And that was another thing. It was just like pointless. Like what did he do it for? I think. And that was like what frustrated people and made people talk about it even more was like, what was the point of all that? Um, so of course, then we move into the trial. 
um, you're not going to be surprised that um, Ronald DeFeo Jr., a.k.a. Butch, um, eventually tried to go the route of the insanity defense. Um, He said that he had voices in his head that compelled him to commit the crimes. Um, Of course, his team uh, argued that he was mentally unstable at the time of the murders and therefore he should not be held responsible for his actions. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that mental illness is an excuse to do something like that, right? Like, I think there are plenty of people who suffer from mental illnesses and don't do that. So I'm not really sure what they were going for there. Um, but yeah, he, his defense lawyer was named William Weber and he, um, and DeFeo claimed that DeFeo killed his family in self-defense at some point. They also did like an insanity slash self-defense because he heard their voices, um, plotting against him. So I don't really know if that's like, he was trying to do insanity and self-defense because like, I guess, I guess in his mind, it was self-defense, but in real life, it was because he was insane Insanity. because he didn't really know what was going on. That's so strange. Right? That's it's so confusing. weird. It's confusing because it's like, okay, like t- in his mind, like they're saying that it was insanity, but in his mind, it was self-defense because of his insanity. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, it, the whole The whole trial, from what I read, seem to kind of be a little bit of a hot mess. Yeah. Did you read um William De- or no William DeFeo, William Weber's like other defense that they tried to go? Um was it something with uh LSD or heroin or no? No. Oh okay, I what guess they it? had so William Weber came out and he said that it was because of the house that that Bush DeFeo killed his entire family. So this is like, again, like another thing to keep in mind before we go into part two is that even prior to these murders happening, supposedly this house had like really weird vibes. Weber said, (laughs) um, quote, that he was aware that certain houses could be built or constructed in a certain manner so as to create some sort of electrical currents through some rooms based on the physical structure of the house. Again, the scientists said that they are investigating that to rule that out. And after they rule out all reasonable or scientific explanation, then it's going to be referred over to another group at Duke University who will delve into the psychic aspects of the case. So, end quote. So what that basically means is that if there's not a scientific explanation for the voices, as in some sort of electrical current, then they were going to have it evaluated by a team at Duke University to see if there was some kind of paranormal activity going on within this house. And this is prior to the murders. So I just thought that that was like an interesting thing to share, especially that quote that they were claiming paranormal activity in this house prior to the murder of six people. Yeah, it is. Inter- it makes you wonder about, like, I guess the energy of the house, but also it just right. kind of seems like they're grasping at straws. Exactly. Right. Yeah, like they the were kind of like they're throwing everything at the wall. They're like, okay, like let's see what people will believe. So yeah. Um, but also, so the reason I was saying about heroin and LSD. So um, 
of course, the the psychiatrist that was working for the defense, he um, supported the insanity plea. He was like, yeah, he's definitely insane. Like, you should, uh, you should, you know, this guy's guilty, but he's insane. So he can't be guilty because he's insane. That was a horrible explanation, but you know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then um, the psychiatrist for the prosecution um, was named Dr. Harold Zolan. And he said that although Defoe did use heroin and LSD at times, um, he had antisocial personality disorder. Um, but so, so he, he did certain drugs. He had antisocial personality disorder, but all that being said, he was aware of his actions when he committed the crimes. So, you know, you can say he was on drugs. You can say he was insane, but when he was actually committing the crimes, he was, he fully knew what he was doing. Therefore he's guilty and he wasn't insane or anything as he was committing them. Um, and the trial's judge um, said at the end of the hearing that they were the most heinous murders committed in Suffolk County since its founding. Um, and of course, DeFeo was found guilty on six counts of murder. Um, but actually, it was on six counts of second degree murder, which is interesting. I don't really hmm. know. I don't know much about like the first degree. But I know first degree is like the most serious. Um, so second degree... I believe is, let me double check this, but I believe it's a crime of passion. So okay. it's no premeditation went into it. Um, yes, exactly. So second degree murder generally includes murders committed with malicious intent. So they go into it intending to cause murder, which I guess is the difference between second degree and manslaughter. Okay. And then not premeditation. So first degree is intent to kill with premeditation. Second degree is intent to kill, but with no premeditation. So, and then I guess manslaughter is... Uh, is like, that improper kill. So I guess I'm confused. I, I think it's interesting that he got second degree murder because I think that drugging them beforehand... Doesn't I mean right. isn't that like pre like as clear cut as it gets for premeditation? You would think so, right? Yeah. So you I don't know so. what I don't know what went into that decision, but he got six counts of um or six sorry six sentences, and each sentence was for twenty five years to life. So even if he okay. got the minimum of twenty five years for each uh, sentence, he would he's never going to get out of jail, and he died. Actually, he died. Um, in 2021, I think it was in March oh. 2021. Yeah, so he so he lived a pretty long time, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but luckily he was you know kept from the public for the rest of his life. Um, and he of course had done appeals and requests to the parole board throughout his his time in jail, but of course they had all been denied. No, he wasn't going to get out of jail. Like that's Good. stupid. <laughs> um. And it's, it's definitely interesting because the motive, no one, like, the there's there's not really a motive, like, that people can agree on for why he killed his family. Apparently, he did have a pretty bad relationship with his dad, but mm-hmm. that wasn't, uh, people don't think that was enough for him to then, to murder not only his dad, but his entire family uh, with no, his dad. I don't think that that. 
it's again, it's like the whole thing of like nature versus nurture. So yes, it probably his like young relationship with his dad when he was young, uh, it probably like exacerbated some sort of, if, if it was anti-personal, uh, anti-personality disorder, it's, you know what, it was probably exacerbated by like the physical abuse and, um, by his dad. He was also bullied when he was a kid. Um, but like, and I don't, so many people are bullied. You know, I yeah, and it, it does. Yeah, not all bullies turn into these crazy serial killers, right? So it, you have to think that there had to be some kind of pre-existing condition. Exactly. Um, and also, apparently, he um, at some point, DeFeo asked the police. Of course, after his family was dead, he asked the police how he could collect um, his dad's life insurance policy. So that was definitely <laughs> something that raised people were like, okay, could that have been his motive? Like, was he trying to get money? I don't, I mean, a lot of people don't think that's the reason, but it's definitely something to note. Huh. So that's strange. And if anything, it just kind of like goes to show like how much he just didn't care because he was thinking no, about I, the late policy. I just, it also, I, you have to think, right? Okay. So if I would never, right? But if I were going to murder someone, okay, I just want to put it out there that this is a purely hypothetical. Okay. If, and let's not even say me, let's say someone, let's say someone's going okay. to murder someone because they know that they're a beneficiary on their life insurance policy, right? Yeah. They have to do the research. What Would you not do the research beforehand that says, hey, if I'm a suspect in this person's murder, I don't get the payout? Right. Right. But but criminals are stupid. You would know that, right? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a good point. But I, I don't know. That's never, like, life insurance policies as a motive have never made sense to me. But people are just stupid. Like, and honestly, like, not none of the motives in this case really make any sense at all. Yeah, like true. It's weird. It's weird. Um, so of there's course, never a good motive. Sorry. There's never a good motive for killing someone. I just want like, obviously Sam and I both know that, but we're just saying that some are like just incredibly like you could put yourself in their shoes and like still not understand yeah, with yeah, with this case, it's like none of like the classic like oh he did it for because because he was a scorned lover or he did it for money or he did it because oh, he was crazy. None of these really yeah like none of them really fit with this case. Um, but after he was arrested, and of course you know like I said he lived till twenty twenty one, so he had plenty of time here on Earth to continue to be annoying. So he actually um, gave a bunch of different accounts throughout his life of what actually happened. You know, he's trying to be like, this is what actually happened. Like, I'm giving the expose. Um, in 1986, he did an interview and he said that his sister, Dawn, who was the 18-year-old, I believe, um, she actually killed their father. And then their mother was, like, so upset that then she killed all of his siblings. Um, and then he butch killed his mother um 
I, so (laughs) the audacity of this man to murder all his family members and then like tarnish, try to tarnish their reputation by saying that they committed the murders and he only killed his mother. What? And it's like, okay, you already killed them. Are you really going to like put salt in the wound and like speak badly when they're dead and they can't even be there to defend themselves and like blame the murders yeah. on them this, not this that guy's a believed him yeah and honestly like of course no one believed them but it's just it's interesting um and oh. he also sorry did you say something no i was just this oh. this case is like draining me a little bit it is it's it is, it is. It's, it's so frustrating and then also in 1990 he um, tried to get his conviction vacated because um, he said that what happened was Dawn um, and an unknown assailant um, had killed their parents and the siblings. So Dawn and some other person that he didn't know had actually killed both parents and then had also killed the siblings. Um, And then, of course... um, he killed Dawn, but only in an accident because he was fighting her for the gun and he accidentally killed her. So she killed this everyone in that gun. It's like, first of all, what do you have against Dawn? Like, can you stop yeah, trying why to... Yeah, the one? I think it's maybe because she, like, age-wise, like, everyone else was so young. They were The others were 12 yeah. and 13 and 9. So maybe he thought it yeah. was, like, the most realistic other option i guess so you'd think that if he was gonna blame anyone he would blame like the father right because that's the person that he had like the bad relationship with and that's also the person that like you know is the strongest most likely so i don't it's like yeah like your 18 year old sister what and this guy just grosses me out i like uh, good riddance i hope i hope he rots yeah i know it's it's just like it's like he couldn't just sit there. He should have just sat there and like, like really, who was he trying to fool? Because like, no one believed him. So it was just no, yeah, no one's gonna believe you. It's all a waste, and it the whole thing is just like pointless and stupid and like sad. And obviously, it like you know, six people were like killed. Their lives were cut very very short. Um, In the prime of their life. Yeah, exactly. And some of their, like, most of their lives hadn't even started yet. Like, none of the kids' lives hadn't really started yet. No. Um, And also Amityville now, of course, has this stain on its history. Like, I don't know if it will ever fully... I'm sure it's a beautiful place to live, and I'm sure the people that live there love it. But, like, unfortunately, I just feel like that the story will never fully... No. uh, It'll never be able to separate itself from... Yeah, from the it'll never happen. Um, yeah, so he died in 2021, and that's pretty much the story of the DeFeo family murders. It's really sad, like you said, it's similar to John List. It's frustrating, it's like stupid and pointless, um, which is why it's so frustrating because it's like, why did you do this? But that's like the backdrop to what you're going to be talking about, uh, very soon. Um, so that's kind of what you need to know going into the next episode. You did a great job. I, I really didn't know a whole lot about the. I knew the basics. I knew that six people had been murdered and I knew a little bit about 
what they claimed in the trial. But the book that I read focused mainly on like the Lutz's experience. So in case you haven't, you have no background on the Amityville horror, basically what we're going to go into in the next episode is that like a little bit over a year after this murder occurred, um, the Lutz family, so it's Kathy and George Lutz and then their three children, buy and move into this house and they're only there for about a month before they absolutely vacated the property and decided that they couldn't live there anymore two representatives from the vatican came a slew of priests and everyone was kind of had the same advice to them like get out while you can this is like not a place that's suitable for human human living anymore right so it's I it's it's really a chilling story. There's a lot of debate as to whether or not it was a hoax or at least partially a hoax or like um I'm totally blanking on the term like group psychosis, almost similar to oh, yeah like the, um, the um, trials hallucination or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or group yeah, so hysteria, like, whatever. Exactly, a little like a a tiny like small sample of like mass hysteria where everyone like believes that they're seeing something, or or this was just a hoax by the Lutzes to get um get themselves out of a financial hole. You know, it, it's kind of just like the Watcher. It, exactly. <laughs> I don't. I didn't want to keep bringing it up, but there is a lot of similarities between this case and the Watcher. So if you yeah. haven't listened to that episode, definitely go listen to that because it's there's a lot of good parallels. Yeah, and that's but, a two-parter because it was about Westfield, but it was about The Watcher and John List. So it's interesting how, how many parallels there are to this. Now that we're like saying them out loud, I'm yeah. like, wait a minute, these are so similar. And it's like a family with three young kids moves into this house, right? And yeah. in John yeah, List, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the same house, but it was like the same area. So, yeah, I I mean, just this case, I I can't hype this up enough. Our our part (laughs) two will be out in less than a week, so you don't have to wait long, but it's going to get crazy, I think. And honestly, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it is like the perfect way to celebrate our one year anniversary because... I think that it's so interesting and it's something that everyone's heard of, but not a lot of people know the details behind, including us. I don't think I really knew much about the haunts and I don't really know. You were saying you didn't know a ton about the history. So it's, it's definitely, Mm -hmm. it's the perfect way to wrap up our first year and start our second year. And speaking of wrapping things up, I know it's been, um, a little while since we've talked about our Patreon, but we just want to let everyone know that there is going to be a new Patreon series coming out and we're really excited about it because it's going to culminate in this really cool event and a lot of Patreon exclusive, um, you know, content. So if you're not a Patreon yet, now is the time to join. And I'll just say that and I'll me too. I can't wait to start this new series. But um, Patreons, just let it be known that we will be back up and active and starting our second series very soon. And uh, we think we think you guys are going to love it. So, and we're really excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be so fun. A little bit more. 
I know. I can't wait either. We'll wait until we have a little bit more details about our exact plan of action um, to release exactly what it is, but know that Patreon episodes are coming soon. Exactly. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the first part of the DeFeo murders slash, uh, the Amityville horror. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, And we hope you, uh, stay spooky. Stay spooky. Uh, keep, creep it real, etc. Creep it real, babies. All right. We'll talk to you very soon. Bye. Bye. That was so sad.